Macarion to Stokes, who's onside. Wagner! Here's Sims to put Stokes this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it! Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 60 of the Saints FC podcast. A little bit of a milestone there. Um, on the line with me this evening, I have Freddie from The Ugly Inside. How, how are you doing, Freddie? Hi, John. Yeah, really good to speak to you, mate. Um, just had a couple of days off to, I suppose, cleanse the system before we get going again. Saints in the next, I suppose, three games in the next seven days. Once again, uh, crazy sort of period of the season again isn't it mate it, it, it is and you know it's kind of you almost have to like turn on the saints then turn it off again so um <laughs> what, i mean what have you been getting up to in your time off from the saints have, have you been up to anything nice have you watched any other football well, or well actually you know i texted you the other day sort of um I, I was going out to bath for a couple of days so i spent a few days out there over the weekend uh, a few beers checking out a couple of breweries picking up some fine beers one that I've cracked open right now from the uh, the craft. Uh, well, shout out to the uh, beer craft of Bath. Excellent little place to uh, to pick up all your amazing little sort of craft beer, lagers, pale ales. Yeah, really enjoy ourselves. A few days out there with a few mates, just uh, like I said, to cleanse the system. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are you drinking then? What, what, what's the name of your beer? Right, so at the moment, uh, I've just cracked open the first chop jam, the mango pale, which is uh, which is by uh, who is it by the oh yeah first first chop brewing. Oh, so uh, okay. it's also gl- gluten free and vegan. So uh, there we go. A beer for all drinkers and uh, tolerances and allergies, I suppose. There. Mm. Yeah, I'm. I'm on the uh, the Cornish IPA proper job. I, I bet you've probably had one of those before, Freddie. Oh yes, actually, I had a conversation with a chap last night, one of the landlords in our in the pub just up where we were staying, and we were chatting about uh, who is it that that uh, that brews that that beer? That's that uh, St Austell Brewery. St Austell, yeah, they're down in the West Country, aren't they? So it's a local beer for you. But I have, I have you know, I've had that quite a few times, and a really easy drink in there. Uh, What's it? The Cornish knocker or the big job? Yeah, a proper job, this one. Yeah. Proper job. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you are. Yeah, hopefully, we'll make a proper job of this podcast. You know, <laughs> once we move on from the uh, vital beer chat. So, Freddie, I mean, I'm, I imagine most of my listeners probably know what the ugly inside is, but do you want to give kind of like a, a one minute rundown of, of what it is and where it came from and, and why people should know about it, especially if they're Saints fans? Okay. All right. So, I suppose uh, the older generation if you like uh those that are are, are with child now with uh you know uh children of their own will remember the ugly side as a paper vase van fanzine outside the old dell they used to sell it clive used to staple it together with his own fingers in his own living room for the first few years <laughs> got his mum involved to staple it together and nick and clive and a few other people sort of used to flog it outside a couple of local bars the pubs yeah outside the old dell and then sort of as the years go on uh, it's been online since the year 2000 on the uglyinside.net on the fans network, um, which Nick sort of writes most of the articles for there. There's the online forum where people can get involved, have a chat about 
all things Saints, you know, and, you know, perhaps things off the pitch and off the field sort of thing. So, uh, and we've also, we're also the, the YouTube channel uh, since a few years now, three years we've been on YouTube. So we're doing, we're doing pretty well and we're just shy of uh, a milestone of our own, nearly 2 million views in three years. So, oh my word. Modest. Freddie, that is outrageous statistics. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we're keeping it up, and we're also, you know, we, we host your your pod over there, you know, uh, on on sort of sometimes in video form uh, when we can uh, <laughs> figure out the technologies. Um, we got you over there as well, you know. We often speak to a few of the other guys that you speak to on on this pod, and we're having a good time and enjoying it. We're 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 as a podcast now available to download on your pre match, I suppose, uh, duties, your pre match rituals, and you know. We can have a whole feast of uh, podcasts that we can all enjoy now. Yeah, so um, if people want to uh, have the kind of video version of this, although there's not a, a video tonight, and there hasn't been for a little while since uh, I've moved out to the West Country, just type in The Ugly Inside and you'll find it on YouTube, right? That's right, mate. Yeah, yeah YouTube, obviously on Facebook, Twitter, and, and Instagram now as well. Oh, brilliant. Right, so Freddie, before we look ahead, because I think we're probably going to want to look ahead... I do think we need to um, actually go back and trace back our steps and think about the game against Cardiff. Now, the game against Cardiff obviously came with that run of three fixtures, um, Burnley, Palace and Cardiff, three teams all around us in the league. And when I was discussing this um, with Tom and with William, we were thinking, you know, five points would be a good return from these games and you know after the draw against Burnley after the draw against Palace looked like we're still on on forgetting that and I think most of us probably expected us to beat Cardiff at home but then you know Cardiff have found a I, I suppose a new purpose haven't they after their record signing um Salah you know so tragically died in that air, air disaster and um they've they've kind of managed to I think kind of use the the spirit and the togetherness that they're feeling in their collective mourning and actually look like they're turning their season around a bit, which is bad news for the Saints. And it was probably a pretty bad time to play them as well. Yeah, so I suppose it is fair to say, you know, Cardiff had an extra bit of fight about them in the dressing room. Obviously, under the circumstances, it was confirmed, wasn't it, of the, that, that weekend. So they were they were always going to come down and, and, and sort of play for the seller, you know, uh, put in a great performance. And, and Julie, they did, you know, they... They did exactly what they do almost every away game. Uh, Neil Warnock has sets his team up to be, you know, hugely compact, tight at the back, and it was impossible for Shane Long uh, to get in behind. And you know, Shane Long starting up top, and and I spoke to Ben on the on the Total Saints podcast as well. And and in, in my defence, perhaps in you know, you tried it a couple of weeks ago as well in defence of Shane Long, but I was like trying to flog a dead horse, <laughs> um, you know, in the pub before the match. But uh, you know, Cardiff, fair play to them. Um, I suppose they, they leapfrogged us in the in the meantime, didn't they? You know, but I suppose the only consolation that we've got right now is it's only one point from I suppose us in their 18th, and three points to sort of Crystal Palace and Brighton in what 13th, 14th. So it's still anybody's game. There's still a lot of games to play, and it's not uh, it's not a disaster despite all the you know the outrageous sort of comments, meltdowns on Twitter and Facebook. You know, I'm not subscribing that to that. So we've still got at least sort of 10 games or more to play and still a lot of points to uh, to, to be won. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the things that you do, Freddie, with the ugly inside is go and do the kind of like fan cam after the games. Um, I imagine it was pretty febrile after after that game. I mean, what, what, what were people thinking 
ab- about that game. Were, were they disappointed with the performance, or was it just the result? I think a combination of both, both mate. And actually, to be fair, you know, we, some of the regulars that I speak to, they were actually relatively calm in the circumstances. Um, but I suppose if you look at it, it was what's the first defeat in what six games, or the first league defeat in two thousand nineteen. So. One, one. I suppose they they say one swallow doesn't make a summer, and, and I think ultimately that's what uh, that's what the result should really be looked at. You know, obviously a huge disappointment against Cardiff. We obviously were favourites before the match, but we've got to do. We've got to brush ourselves off. I know it's cliche to say, but we go again. I suppose next week, um, and you know, I suppose not quite everybody, and I think it's only a small percentage of people are actually going into meltdown over the over the result. Yeah, I I know a lot of our listeners don't um, manage to get to the games because, you know, they might be abroad, they might be far away from the ground or, you know, have other commitments. Obviously, you managed to get to the game against Cardiff, Freddie. I mean, Mm. if if we're trying to find positives or, you know, perhaps you can kind of give us a fuller picture because when I watched the highlights on Match of the Day myself and when I I watched the highlights on the, the Saints website, it looked like we were all over them. There, there seemed to be bucket loads of Saints chances, some pretty good chances as well that we missed. Um, and Valerie was getting forward well. Uh, you know, the, the, there was there were some positives to take out of it, or, or did it just not feel like that in the ground? Uh, well, I suppose there was a bit of trepidation amongst the support. Uh, you know, the statistics, like you say, we, we were obviously the, the dominant side. I think we finished the game with, what, 63, 64% possession. Cardiff only finishing off with, what, 34, 35. Poor maths, by the way. <laughs> um, but I think uh, Cardiff they only had three shots and two of those were on target and two of them were the goals. So... Like I said, they they sat deep. They they were always going to be compact, and they was always going to try and sit, uh, uh, get, catch us on the counter attack. But I think what it is as well, both teams, you know, Saints Cardiff, both guilty of the, of the same goals. The first goal, I suppose, uh, we allowed. Uh, you know, watching back on the highlights, even you know, uh, I think uh, Dave, Dave Marrington and, and Blackmore, they they said that when the ball came over for the corner, Romeo and I think it might be Hoiberg, they had their backs to the ball. And now, you, you know, you've got to be smart in the penalty box. You've got to keep one eye. From the ball coming in, got to be aware of your mark. And perhaps, you know, like one of the chaps said after the game, it was like watching old Saints. It was sort of the zonal marking, no one taking too much responsibility at all. And obviously Bamba coming up, um, you know, on the back post with a was an, with an easy tap. And I suppose similarly what happened to us with the equaliser, the ball's get, uh, the ball, yeah, is flicked on, isn't it? Uh, on Charlie Austin's head, uh, finds Jack Stephen, goes through about four or five sort of legs. Or, or bundles itself through to the back post, and Jack Steam is there for a tap. But uh, one of the another sort of chap in the uh, uh, one of the interviews after the game has said, you know, Jack Stevens, for all for all of his sort of performance, he went from hero to zero in the space of sixty seconds. You know, but I think other than that, I think he was relatively composed. And I want to point out actually what uh, something that hasn't been noticed uh, quite across all the forums or the comments, but. We we played with a bit of expression, a bit of freedom with our with one of the centre backs. So whilst one was uh, bringing the ball forward, such as Vestergaard or Stevens, another one was sitting in, you know, protecting the defence, uh, you know, protecting that space in the pitch. Whilst whilst that defender's getting forward, Romeo or Hoiberg often drop back. So they are an organised unit, and you know, it isn't the end of the world. The result. Yeah, I, it's 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 you know it's a difficult one to take, isn't it? I mean, 
when you look at the stats and you try and find the, the stats to explain, you know, what's gone wrong. I mean, Saints outscored Cardiff on XG. I know obviously XG isn't what, what counts um, at the end of the day. But, you know, we also got outscored by Burnley and Palace in XG in those previous games. So perhaps we were lucky to get those two draws, but unfortunate to, to lose to Cardiff. Um, mm. I think kind of though there is maybe a bigger picture thing here. And the fact is, is that, you know, XG doesn't take into account who the striker is. And, you know, maybe this is where Shane Long does fall down is, is his, his finishing just isn't the same as that of a normal Premier League striker. He does loads of other stuff and perhaps helps create chances. But without someone who can finish, you know, regularly, um, it, it does make it difficult beating those teams like Cardiff, especially when they come in and put 11 men behind the ball, which we we just don't know how to play against a team like that, do we? No, not at all. I mean, you know, Shane Long, is, I suppose his record speaks for himself, doesn't it? You know, four, the four goals that he scored has been under four different managers in the last sort of 18 months, two years or so. And, you know, you know, I suppose you guys say about it a lot as well. We know what to expect from Shane Long. He's not a goal scorer. He's not going to score you too many goals, if none at all. But what he'll do is is, is stretch the defence and, and find their space and, and pull players left, right and centre. But I suppose you could say we're in a little bit of a crisis, mate, aren't we? You know, Danny Ings injured, I suppose, once again. It's always going to be uh, a given. that It's always going to happen sometimes this season. You know, obviously, question marks over the deal, whether the money will be off that uh, that uh, obligation in the summer because of their lack of appearances and lack of goals, I suppose. And Charlie Austin, obviously unfavoured, uh, perhaps might have been off in the January window, but eventually stayed, played a little part in the assists in the Cardiff game. Michael Obafemi hasn't been anywhere to be seen, but having said that, you know, we've had Nathan Redmond scoring most of our goals in the last few weeks whilst Danny Ings has been in, in and out of the squad. Shane Long hasn't, hasn't been scoring and whilst our Charlie Austin's been unfavoured. So Nathan Redmond's been a, a step above, a class above uh, everybody else and, and providing us with some amazing goals as it is. Yeah, it's always a bit of a risk when you're relying on amazing goals from a midfielder who, you know, he goes on hot and cold streaks, doesn't he? Rebham with, with mm. his goal scoring. Um, I thought the Jack Stevens header was great, the finish at the back post. I thought um, Valerie got forward well. Um, I've had an email from Graham Frampton. He's a Saints fan and he really wants to kind of like look at the the blame of the losing goal against Cardiff. He has mistake one. Jack Stevens has loads of time to hoof it upfield or kick the ball into touch. Instead, he tries to find a Saints player, gave it away to opponents. Was Jack too confident at this point after scoring the equaliser? And also, you know, yeah. was he too casual with the pass? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the. I suppose it, he lost his composure, didn't he? You know, in that dying moments of the game, you want somebody just hoof it upfield. Mm. And I suppose we saw a prime example of that of Ryan Bertrand last season at Everton. You know, we should be learning from our, our mistakes here. Jack Stevens should be getting as far down the pitch as possible, trying to find that space for Shane Long to run onto. I think it might have been off the pitch at that point, but uh, you know, even even so, somebody like Nathan Redmond, somebody to uh, chase a lost cause, put Cardiff under pressure and put them and, and make us in the ascendancy in the last yeah. few minutes. So I think what it was, it was desperate defending. Really, you know, we had so many chances, like say half a dozen, to get the ball away, and in the end, it's a scuffed shot, a lucky daisy cutter that rolls across the the far post and. Uh, I suppose Alex McCarthy looks like he's got lead in his boots over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't know what our goalkeeping coaches do. Maybe we need to have a word with Kelvin Davis. Or that I think he's he's assistant manager rather than goalkeeping coach. But you know, similar stuff to that happened to Fraser Forster. And also, um, 
Alex McCarthy's not been great at dealing with crosses either, and that seems to be where mm. we're conceding our goals from. Um, one of the people that's been getting us out of trouble a lot has been Bednarek, but his headed clearance also went awry here. Um, Graham yeah. Frampton reckoned that that was the kind of second big mistake, suggesting that he could have either headed out for a corner or taken the ball in chest and cleared it. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know about Bednarek's head. I think he was trying to get it out of the box, get it out of the way. There was a few moments to regroup, but the pinball that followed didn't favour us. No, not at all. I mean, I suppose Bednarak, it has been a shining light under Ralph Hasenthal too. And, you know, the coach has come out and said, you know, he, he's probably going to be, he's going to be one of the star men to actually help us up, or stay up this season. And I suppose faith has been put into Bednarak, but perhaps his only sort of mistake you've seen whilst Ralph has been in charge since December. And, Again, goes go back, goes back to the comment about lack of composure about Jack Stevens. We're scrambling, we're desperate to get the ball away, and in that, I suppose we lose our heads, we lose our concentration. And Cardiff, I suppose, likely go back to right to the top of the point. They didn't know how to die. Uh, I suppose that they, they had an extra bit of fighting spirit about them, and they 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 chased the ball so high up that pitch. I think they had about six six guys up in the penalty box chasing that ball in the final few moments. And I suppose you could say they deserved it. They didn't they didn't let go at all, did they? Right. Um, Graham as that he reckons that Saints are still confident he's still confident that they'll stay up saying that he's ever the optimist so um, you know, I, I think we'll stay up as well and I hope you're right Graham and I hope we're right on that I think you know should we move on from the, the, the defeat against Cardiff I think we've probably already given it too much airtime. so <laughs> as a result of this Hassan Hootel then takes the players away on uh, warm weather training to Tenerife mm-hmm. Sounds rather lovely. Oh, I almost wonder if they had this planned and it was going to be a bit of a reward. Well done. You're now three points away from the relegation zone. You've beaten Cardiff. And in actual fact, it was a bit more of a kind of soul-searching, trying to build up the players' confidence uh, uh, again. Um, I mean, what what have you made of the trip from Tenerife? And you know, can we expect improvements from Saints after it? Well, from what I've taken from the reports, um, Ralph has been, you know you know, doubled the intensity uh, for every single player. And, and it's and it's been widely reported that he's, he's sat each player down once again, 15 minutes between them. Uh, and in, an individual, I suppose, training regime has got the, uh, he's got the, um, the notice boards out, the, uh, the formations, the tactics on the training field. And I suppose what you can take from that is, is attention to detail. So he, he wants to get rid of these, these, these mistakes. And we, we have full faith in the, the, the process that he's doing and, and full faith in the way that he's doing it, you know. Um, it's not going to be easy. Of course, it's, of course it's, um, it's going to be difficult now to the end of the season. And, and I suppose we're sitting on 24 points now, aren't we? And I suppose you could say maybe 36, 37 might keep us up, but it's a long way to go. And uh, I suppose the players will be raring to go. We've got a couple of players back now from injury, obviously. Obafemi went away with the squad uh, to Tenerife. Questions were asked about his professionalism off the pitch, but he seems like he's stepping out once again. But we're still missing a, a couple of key personnel, I suppose you could say, in, in Mario Lamina, who didn't travel with the squad. And I believe Ryan Bertrand didn't travel either. So we'll see what happens with that one. Mm. A- another rumour that I've heard uh, on a player that didn't travel with a squad is Charlie Austin. Is that true? Do we know that? Well, I suppose is uh, you could say... We're only speculating here, but maybe his uh, reputation precedes him, uh, you know, going away to Tenerife, a lad's destination, isn't it? You know, so <laughs> I don't know. We're, we're, only, we're only assuming, boys, put one on one together. <laughs> mm. So, I mean, uh, the, the thing that I've taken from the whole Tenerife thing and these, you know, videos that um, 
and you know one-to-one sessions that Ralph Hasenhutl has prepared is I wonder if this for Ralph is his opportunity to do what he would have wanted to do in pre-season training you know had he got the job in the summer and had we replaced Hughes a little bit earlier I think perhaps this might be the sort of thing that he'd be trying to instill and I wonder if the next question we need to look at is are we going to see a different style has Ralph literally been just trying to kind of plaster up the Saints you know bruised and battered body and now this is actually him going to be trying to form a team to play in a way that he wants them to play because we've seen a bit of pressing um, perhaps maybe more in the early games than we have in the more recent ones where I think he's been a little bit more pragmatic and working with what he's got so do you think we're, do you think we're going to see a shift in the way Saints are playing? I, I hope so, Matt. I think you know. Obviously, we we stroke a stroke stri- strike fear, I suppose, into the Arsenal hearts. And obviously, Arsenal coming up at the weekend, and we we put them under so much pressure and got that amazing win back in de- in December. But I suppose we we stepped off the pedal a little bit now, haven't we? We've taken a foot off the gas, and perhaps uh, you know maybe maybe the. Uh, the, the managers asked them to do that to try and take uh, take control of the game, and that's ultimately what we've been lacking over the last couple of years, isn't it? You know, failing to uh, I suppose hang on to a lead, but uh, you know we've still got those 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 bad errors. And news just in: Charlie Austin did um, travel with the squad. I'm just flicking through the gallery now on the Southampton website, so uh, he certainly wasn't uh, uh, living up to expectations. Uh, <laughs> you know, it looks like the boys are working hard, and hopefully they come back with a fresh bit of impetus. Uh, again, with Arsenal coming up at the weekend, hopefully we can, you, you know, we can turn them over once again and and really, I suppose, kickstart our, our final push to the end of the season. So, um, do you know the quite amazing stat about Charlie Austin and our, our next opponents? No, enlighten me. Charlie Austin has scored against Arsenal every single time he's played against them. Is that true? It is true. All right. Well. It can only continue then, can't it, at the weekend? Yeah, it's funny because I heard that <clears throat> heard that question in a quiz and I, I wondered if it might have been Shane Long. Um, uh, but no, it's Charlie Austin scored in every, every game he's played against Arsenal. Shane Long tends to do quite well against Arsenal as well. I, and I don't think Arsenal like teams that put them under a lot of pressure. And, you know, perhaps if we are going to be going to a more pressing style after the Tenerife break, you know, having instilled a bit more fitness into the players... Could this almost be our best opportunity to get three points in the next three games? So, I mean, having said that as well, you know, Arsenal have got the small case of a, of a Thursday night Europa League fixture to play. If they don't get through, that could be their biggest, uh, I suppose, their, their worst defeat in, 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 I suppose, a generation going out to, I suppose, what they, what they report is Bulgarian, Belarusian uh, farmers, right? Yeah. So, well, I mean, know, they are the 17 uh, times Belarusian champions, but yeah, I mean, how, wow. how much weight you can give to that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, should should they go out on Thursday night, they they will be hurt, and, and and I suppose it could go one or two ways. You know that they they could kick on and get a reaction from there. They'll be missing Lacazette on Thursday. Here we're back for sure on on Sunday. Um, we've got to do our own thing. We I'm, I'm sure Hasn Hoot has been religiously watching the uh, the Arsenal videos, uh, how they play, their style of play, and, and I suppose you know Emery has been a bit inconsistent, hasn't he? Because you know, obviously losing to us. Um, I suppose ending that 22 game unbeaten run back in December and they've not really uh, had a consistent run of form they're, they're winning a couple then losing a couple 
So they are there for the taking, and I suppose if they do lose on Thursday, if if buts and maybes, they could be a wounded animal. And I hope, I do hope sincerely that the three points are ours, and we start to uh, you know build that space, uh, create the space from the drop zone, and really start putting Arsenal under pressure. Because if they then they've got a couple more extra tough uh, ties coming up, haven't they? Trying to to to, to qualify for the uh, the Champions League. Yeah, I I almost wonder if actually the Europa League is probably their best opportunity for qualifying for the Champions League at the moment with Manchester United's uh, resurgence. Um, mm. you know, perhaps what we should be hoping for is a game that runs deep into uh, extra time and you know, that, that it, it takes a lot out of the players. And then if we run them ragged on Sunday, hopefully that will give us the opportunity um, you know, and get Charlie Austin the pitch. If he loves scoring against Arsenal, let's get him on there and get him doing that. I mean, here's the argument as well, though. Obviously, Arsenal, we're, we're underdogs going to the Emirates at the weekend, but we've got a, a small matter of Fulham on um, on Wednesday night. You know, that is a, another huge game. And I hate to say it, but it is must win. It's a six-pointer. If, if we can't beat Fulham at home, who are the worst, has the worst defensive record in the entire league, then questions should be asked. Um, there's also a statistic. Fulham have the worst uh, defensive uh, record this season in terms of clean sheets. Who has the second worst in clean sheets? Oh, it's got to be us, hasn't it? No, no, it's Arsenal. Oh, really? Wow. So there's a statistic for you. Yeah. So goals, 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 we should be saying. But yeah, but <laughs> we, we know how Saints do like to break, break a record. So, you know, perhaps uh, we'll, we'll be helping those two out. But I certainly hope not. It'd be nice to keep those, those records going and prevent a few uh, clean sheets for Fulham and, and for Arsenal. Um Whilst we're talking about the uh, Arsenal game, Freddie, do you want to give us your favourite memory of going to the Emirates and watching the Saints? Uh, oh, crikey! Uh, well, I don't. Well, I suppose you could say in recent memory, you know, winning there in, in the cup on the way to the uh, the cup final with uh, was it Geordie Classy and Ryan Bertrand? That's recent memory. A couple of years ago under Claude Puel, but I suppose the, the, the best memory you could say again only a few years ago on on Boxing Day, ruining in their Christmas at St. Mary's with a Cuco Martina, uh, absolute worldie. Um, you know, actually, I, I think I, I spoke on Twitter before the game. If wh- Why is Cuco Martina in the team? He's not even Premier League quality. And my God, did he make me eat my words that, <laughs> uh, that evening? Yeah. It's funny as well, because I, I think, is, did Mane make his debut for Saints against Arsenal as well, perhaps at the Emirates? So I, I don't know if my memory's serving me correctly there. But... Um, I think it might be, it might be in the same season that Graziano Pellemai signed, wasn't it? Yeah, um, but I mean, certainly there's been some gr- some great goals we've scored against Arsenal. I mean, that Kiko uh, <clears throat> Martina one was great, but the one you mentioned earlier as well, the Nathaniel Klein rocket. Um, yes. Yeah, when it just seemed that like whatever happened, our our right backs would hit you know thunder bastards against Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> is, is this? I mean, you could also you could also point out the uh, the heroic efforts of Fraser Forster that one uh, was it uh, a Saturday evening, Tuesday night, uh, ten game, ten saves in that game looked like the wall that uh, I suppose that kick started his his little run in in clean sheets. I think he had, after that match he had five extra clean sheets and. And really looked like he was England's number one. Yeah, I mean that that game was absolutely astonishing. I I remember Alexi Sanchez kind of just standing there staring at the goal, and you know, <laughs> totally just confused as to why the net hadn't bulged. So, I mean, <clears throat> good luck to the Saints fans who are heading to the Emirates this weekend. Um, I I I don't want to say that I'm confident because I think Arsenal do much better at home than they do away. But 
you know, Saints do better away than we do at home, or it certainly feels like that at the moment. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if we get something from this game. I hope so. I think it's it's not beyond the realms of saying that a point is you know is achievable, and you know there's also like you just say uh, there's there's less pressure on on the, on the boys uh, away from home. You know, obviously we haven't got too much of a good record at home recently, and and we seem to be picking up more points on the road uh, this season, last season, the year before that. So there's certainly uh, less pressure, and and the fans are right behind the boys uh, away from home always. Uh, loud, proud, singing every song. Uh, whereas I suppose we look, at, we're a bit flat at home. So keep the boys going. Uh, you know, be loud, be proud, and and hopefully we can take something from the Emirates for the weekend. Yeah, and then the next next up, we do have Fulham. So we've mentioned a couple of stats about them already. I mean, one of the things that Claudio Ranieri is normally very good at as a manager is getting the defence sorted. Um, you'll probably remember when Leicester City were going on their run. At the start of the season, despite the fact they were winning loads, they were still conceding goals. And he had this kind of offer of a pizza party as soon as they kept a clean sheet. Um, <clears throat> doesn't look like he's had to give out too many pizzas at Fulham yet. But, I mean, do we think we're going to see an improved Fulham from the last one that we played and, and lost to? Well, we have to, won't we? Surely. Um, I suppose that game at Craven Cottage back in November was at least one of the straws. Uh, that sort of broke the camel's back, if you like. Mm. And it was only a week later that Mark Hughes was eventually sacked. And we've seen a resurgence since then. And and obviously that day at Craven Cottage, a couple of goals from uh, Stuart Armstrong. We're still yet to hear that uh, that belter of a of a song that we should we should inherit from the Celtic fans, I, I should say. But that day, you know, let down by maybe a, a, a mistake from Wesley Hoot. Again, a given, uh, always to be expected. But we should have enough about us to take three points on Wednesday. And having said, you know, having you said the uh, statistics about Ranieri's defence, he is absolutely nuts when they go forward. So they will be creating the space, and we should have at least Shane Long and, and Nathan Redden to to have that space to run into. And and it is, I think, Fulham have the worst, the worst uh, defensive. Uh, I suppose they've, they've conceded the most goals this season. So there's certainly space to uh, to exploit. Yeah, um, so I've totally lost my trail of thought there. I was going to ask you. So who, who do you think we should be betting on them for um, the first goal against Fulham? Are, are we going to see Charlie Austin making a comeback perhaps after getting yet another goal against Arsenal? Stuart Armstrong going to find his form again? Wh- wh- which players are going to profit from Fulham's kind of defensive frailties? I think the obvious choice has got to be Nathan Redmond, hasn't it? You know? Um, always good for a goal, I suppose. Recently, got uh, some tricks, tricks up his sleeves. But who wouldn't put it past James or Prowse again to retain his place and score a belter? But I tell you, here's here's my top tip, my my prediction. Let's go with somebody a bit left field, and say let's get let's get Ryan Bertrand off the off the uh, off the mark this season. Oh. Get him on the score sheet. Um, you'll get quite good good odds on that. Um, let's go Ryan Bertrand if he, if he if he starts. Gets forward, overlapping run from Nathan Redmond, slips him through, maybe takes a little deflection. The dubious goal panel will be, will be asking <laughs> for it, but I think it'll go down to uh, to Ryan, Ryan Bertrand. Why not? Okay. <clears throat> I mean, if I was going to bet on a fullback, I'd be betting on Jan Valery against Arsenal, you know, following in the footsteps of Kuko Martino and Nathaniel Klein, you know, mm. with, with a thunder bastard. Um, you know, absolutely massive home game against Fulham. The only issue that, well, I mean, obviously there's plenty of issues we could we could dig up, but Saints have played the promoted teams uh, this season four times and so far we've got zero points from our efforts. Um, 
can, you know, obviously we can do it against Fulham, but can we do it, Freddie? You know, can we actually do this against Fulham? Of course we can. Yes, we can. Believe, believe. Um, no, obviously he's been he's been mega dis, mega disappointing um, playing those three promoted teams this season and not failing to get points. So this is the best chance we've got. You know, we've we've also got. I suppose the running is is is, is favourable to us. The only top team in, the, in you know up there, the uh, I suppose top four six is is Liverpool, and that is the six. Uh, uh, I suppose six to last. Is that even a phrase? Six to last game of the season, um, followed by Wolves. So the the final four games are going to be crucial for us. We need to pick up three points in the final day of the season against Huddersfield. But I hope, I sincerely hope it would be wrapped up the week before in West Ham, the final away game of the season. But you know, if we get three points on Fulham uh, on Wednesday, that gives us a bit of a bit of extra spirit about us. It'll bring us up to, I suppose. Let's say let's say thirty points because we're going to take three points of Arsenal at the weekend, and th- <laughs> and, and, th- and thirty points uh, would would see us, I suppose, relatively. I can't I can't say the c word again, but uh, it was uh, the comfortable is not the word we're looking for, and nothing will ever be comfortable no. now until the end of the season, I suppose, until we get forty points. But that seems like a huge, huge target. Um, so looking a little bit further ahead again, so 1st of March, is it 1st of March or 2nd of March, we've got Manchester United away. That's actually yeah. not the biggest event in the Saints FC podcast day because our co-host Tom Parker is going to be getting married on that day. So me and Tom will be partying and celebrating uh, his marriage. Uh, I think he booked that date when he thought Saints would have absolutely no chance against Man United. <laughs> Then it looked like Man United got a bit weak. Saints got a little bit better. Now Saints have got a little bit weaker again. And Manchester United are all guns blazing. I mean, mm. I don't know if you watched the game against uh, Chelsea last night on Match of the Day, but um, they were just a league above Chelsea. And, and and that's astonishing, really, when you think about how poor they were under Mourinho. Yeah, incredible to see um, Ole's going to social turn it around and... He's only lost one game. That's against PSG. He's undefeated in the league. Obviously, uh, Ole picked up the uh, the manager of the month award ahead of uh, Ralph, um, you know, for for January, and he's done a terrific job there. And obviously, we're going to go up to Old Trafford with a bit of fear, but who who knows? You know, we could, we could always do something. Who who knew that we could take something when Charlie Austin made his debut? Who knew the year before when Do Santanich stole something? But those, I suppose, those those two teams on the Van Howe and. And uh, who was their manager? David Moyes at the time, was it, when Tadic scored? Yeah. Uh, they look like, you know, universes, fantasies away from the team that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's got playing at the moment. Uh, obviously, Paul Pogba pulling the strings. So let's let's, let's stick Ario on, on Hoiberg, man Mark uh, Pogba and, and take out his legs and, and, and really uh, <laughs> kind of neutralise neutralize that threat. There's the game plan. Yeah, I mean, Pogba just looks absolutely frightening at the moment. I mean... Uh, if you're a kind of fan of Pez football from back in the day, we'd say that he was on a massive red arrow. Um, hmm. And I, I'm i a little bit scared of, about that trip to Old Trafford. I wouldn't have been had it fallen a little bit earlier on in the season, which is you know, quite quite funny. But, you know, Solskjaer's going to have to lose in the Premier League at some point, isn't he? Yeah, hopefully it's going to be us <laughs> as well. But I suppose, you know, it's going to be a difficult time because it'll be, it'll be the third game in six days, so perhaps the the fitness will be, will be stretched. They there will be questions, maybe rotations. We might see a couple of Old Trafford, maybe play a little bit more defensively. Might see an extra hold on midfielder. We could even see Lamina maybe 
maybe back in the match day squad. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we make a couple of rotations. I suppose it is it's it's going up with a with a uh, a negative mindset to say that we'll write off Arsenal, write off Manchester United, and and I suppose go all guns blazing against Fulham. And I suppose that's what we kind of let ourselves down over Christmas, really, didn't we? We went all for it against West Ham. That obviously backfired, and then we basically played the uh, under-23s against Man City. Yeah, and we actually looked like we were going to get more from the Man City game than we did <laughs> against yeah. West Ham. Um, Say, so, I mean, let's let, let's put you in Ralph Arsenal's shoes here then. You've got three games in the space of a week. Um, you've mm. got Arsenal away. You've got Fulham at home, who are obviously relegation rivals, and then you've got Manchester United away. Now... How are you going to get the best out of the squad? Are you going to be rotating? And if you are, what sort of rotations are we looking at? Difficult question, mate. Um, I think we may see a couple of rotations in, in fullback. I wouldn't even be surprised if maybe Ramsey makes uh, an appearance maybe at the Emirates. It all depends on who's impressed the, the manager over in Tenerife. And obviously we've got an extra day to train and prepare over Arsenal with them playing Europa League on Thursday night. So we'll, we'll be training and preparing all the way up until sort of, uh, you know, Saturday afternoon, if you like. And I think we'll, we'll see a couple of rotations in, in fullback. We may see Mighty Target replaced for uh, Ryan Bertrand or the other way around, you know. Uh, I think we may also see uh, a selection and a return for Mayor Yoshida as well, coming back from uh, from the uh, Asian Cup. And I wouldn't be surprised. Let's see if, you know, we, could, we will see Stuart Armstrong. I think... A little disappointing not to see him against Cardiff. I suppose we, we missed that uh, that attacking threat going forward. He offers a little bit different to some of the other options, and you know, obviously scored a few goals earlier on this season. He's not really had too much of a, uh, uh, I suppose, an opinion or too much of a selection under Ralph recently. So it'd be good to see Stuart Armstrong back and make a difference. Yeah, I mean, I wonder with this one. I think with the Arsenal game, I'd almost focus on the pacey players and the players that can run them ragged thinking about their midweek um, appointment with Batty Borisov and and you know maybe actually Shane Long would be a good option against Arsenal and then you know with Charlie Austin as well coming in with that record because I think for, yeah so I think uh, Fulham are going to be easier to break down essentially so you know why not use a bit of pace against Arsenal really do the pressing and then with Fulham perhaps we can have a slightly different approach and then maybe a slightly calmer and more controlled approach to the game. So I think it is fair to say that uh, Arsenal's back line has been ravaged by injuries this this season. Um, it looks like they, they have another doubt with Socrates at the back. Um, obviously, Koscielny made a return against us back in December, who basically hasn't missed a game since then. Lichsteiner, who is 34, I believe, you know, on the right-hand side, you've got Monreal into his 30s. So, you know, oh, you know, definitely lacking some pace and we should stick Shane Long and, I would go with Shane Long to start with Nathan Redmond and exploit that space. Put, ask him all sorts of questions and who knows, we could still, we could even see another novelty Shane Long goal at the Emirates this season. <laughs> I mean, that that would be great, wouldn't it? Um, so, Freddie, I mean, you mentioned him earlier. I've had a listener email come in and um, I've got to say, we've we've had a little bit of criticism and it's not just uh, the Saints FC podcast. I'm afraid the ugly insider are in for it too. So... <laughs> Here we go. In all of the current season analysis, the Echo, Total Saints podcast, Ugly Inside and Here Too, here being the Saints FC podcast, there yep. is much talk of not replacing Gabbiadini as well as not signing a higher quality centre-back. 
Certainly we're exposed in these areas. But we have yet to discuss the absolute game-changing ability we lost with Dusan leaving for Ajax. How quickly we may have f forget how much he contributed to our survival last year, despite having a number of invisible games while a saint, he delivered leadership, determination and goals when our backs were against it last year. It's naive to think that we can pull off another as great escape without a Tadic-like player. Remaining positive as possible, but his poisonous creativity will be sorely missed from now until May. Mm. Yeah, uh, Dusan was huge for us, wasn't he, last season? Scored those two goals against Bournemouth. It is, I suppose it is fair to say he did go missing. He was a bit of a ghost in some of the games, but I suppose he was a big game player, wasn't he? He turned the heat up uh, against Bournemouth. He played, you know, very well in those in those uh, preceding games, uh, I suppose succeeding games or preceding around that time of the season. But it, it, it's, it's fair to say the same thing about sort of uh, Sadio Mane and Graziano Pella. You know, people easily forget how, how bad and how anonymous they were in the season that we, I suppose, qualified in the Europa League. Manny didn't score for about three or four months. He was a he was a basically a fair weather player playing between autumn and spring and summer. Didn't like the winter, but scored you know ten goals in the space of like three months. But Pelé again, he had loads of criticism. Scored a you know a couple of amazing goals. Was important for us. That I suppose that leadership is ultimately what we've been we've been lacking. And, and I suppose the manager has has been in the press uh, over the last couple of weeks to say that we will we we will see those authority of that potential from the current crop of players and is even out, uh, outlined as James Will Prowse to be that man of difference uh, and you know we've seen elements of that from Jan Bednarek who looks like a, a step above another class above the manager seems like he's getting the best out of Bednarek too and and, and Redmond's going to be wholly important for the end of the season too so if we keep those those three consistent and that I suppose you could say is a is a small spine to the squad build the team around those three and we could be on to a, hit, a winner here guys but yeah, Dusan Telic was a ghost uh, for most of last season, but uh, I suppose in the end, he, uh, I think he realised that it was it was do or die for Saints, and, and you know he decided to turn it on. And he, you know, I don't know if you've seen the clips online that he uh, he was complaining about the Premier League, wasn't he? You know, he he was complaining that he never had enough protection. So maybe that's why he he went back over to uh, to uh, to Holland. And he's been, you know, so good for Ajax as well. I think he, in there was a statistic going around, wasn't there? Like in the first ten games, uh, Dusan Tadic played for Ajax this season. He scored more get more goals than Southampton did altogether. Yeah, I mean, he he's been an absolute sensation in um in Holland this season. He's done so well, and you know, bizarrely, they signed him at the age nearly of thirty years old, and I think the average age in the Ajax team. Um, against Real Madrid last week was uh, 21 years of age, in including Dusan. So, you know, they, they normally focus so much on youngsters, but they've obviously seen, you know, what Dusan's got. And I mean, us Saints fans are all aware of what Dusan's got. He's done some really wonderful stuff for Saints and some really fantastic goals. Um, but you're right, it did drift in and out of games perhaps a little bit too much. And it's one of those... It's one of those odd things. You know, when a player leaves Southampton, you can really tell from the mood of the fans whether you know how, how they're feeling about losing a player. So, you know, when we lost Dusan Tadic, everyone wished him well. When we lost Virgil Van Dijk, okay, he obviously behaved like a total. Um, I'm not going to say the word that I want to say, but we we all know how he behaved. But you're yeah. really disappointed to lose a player 
like Van Dyke because he's so good. Um, and Doosan is really, really good, but without turning it on all the time and being consistent, it, he he became almost the most frustrating player in the Saints squad because you knew what he was capable of. And so when he wasn't yeah. doing it, you just wanted to scream at him and be like, Doosan, what, what are you doing, you know? <laughs> wake up we're in real trouble here and you know thankfully he did that towards the end of last season I do think he was instrumental in keeping us up um along with Swansea's complete and utter collapse towards the end of the season um yes but yeah I mean I suppose I suppose you could say that we relied on three worst teams to be to be in the league you know with us but Dusan Tadic was was so important for us, and like you say so frustrating at times and he'd have a one amazing week and then just totally anonymous uh, the week after, consistency, uh, I suppose, is, is a key factor for this this uh, this season. I suppose, keep those three aforementioned players consistent, keep them fit, and uh, I, I think we'll have at least the impetus or the nucleus of the team to to keep us going. Yeah, I do, I wonder though with those three players, do we have, or in fact, any of the players in the squad, do we have a player like Dusan who has that ability? And that that you know that kind of knack of being able to unlock a defence. So if we take the game against Cardiff, for example, you needed someone to do something a little bit special just to break down that resolution. You know, someone who it doesn't matter how many players he's got in front of him, he can still beat beat them. Um, you know, which yeah, which I, Dusan I, had. I, I mean, I hate to dis- I hate to agree with that as well. There isn't there isn't somebody that can turn the game on the, on the head. Uh, such as Dusan Tedic in the current team. You know, I suppose you could say some of our players are feeding off scraps at the moment, a bit lucky, fortunate through bounces, through legs, you know, finding finding the ball at their feet. But we miss, you know, Dusan Tedic was, was our Matthew Letizier, if you like, you know, the, 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 the generations that are growing up to, to, to watch Saints now. Dusan Tedic is their Matthew Letizier. I'm sure we all have wonderful memories of Matt through the 90s, basically keeping us up uh, on his own, you know, um, and, and I suppose when he retired in was it two thousand and two, we, we lost that that heart of of the team, didn't we? we? We lost that sort of fighting spirit, and we haven't seen anybody else like that. I suppose, you know, between the time it, it's the only person that is is do Santelas, and I think he he he's had the most amount of assists for a Southampton player since Matthew Letizia. Mm. Really shows the importance of him in, in, in the team over the last sort of, what, was he four years he was here, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, I, I would probably say if you're looking for someone with that level of quality, and I don't think anyone's actually come close to Latiss in terms of quality uh, since he's retired for the Saints. But um, Adam Lalana was probably the the player who I thought maybe could be the Latiss. And then obviously he signed for Liverpool. Dusan was Lalana's replacement and he had a fantastic first season playing alongside Graziano Pella that we quickly forgot about Adam Lalana really. Um but I mean Elianusi, I suppose, was was he brought in to be Dusan's replacement or was it maybe Stuart Armstrong or was Armstrong more of a Stephen Davis replacement? I I don't well, the popular the pop the popular opinion, I suppose, is Elianusi to be the replacement for Dusan Tadic, but we've not even seen a glimmer of that sort of talent in Elianusi in his whole body than, you know, what Dusan Tadic had just a, a fraction of last season. I suppose you could say Stuart Armstrong is an eventual long-term replacement for Stephen Davis, very similar types of player, lots of energy, lots of, uh, a sort of, I suppose, workmanship, professionalism on the field. Uh, Elianusi has been a, a, a total... Um, 
I suppose uh, it's been a bit of a flop, hasn't he, really? Uh, we've not seen any sort of the potential that uh, he was um, touted to be. I think I heard a report that he was scouted nearly 30 times uh, before we even sort of, uh, you know, signed him. Elianus is another frustrating player and he gets a lot of stick. I think, I suppose he's another one of the whipping boys at the moment. If it's not Elianus, it's, you know, I suppose before he left us in January, he's Wesley Hoot. You know, Cedric was another player and we'll go for another player over the next couple of weeks. Elianus just seems to be the uh, the hot topic at the moment, the flavour of the month. He's the one that's getting a lot of the blame because he's not looking like at all, he's not at all got the talent to, to live up to the expectations. Yeah, which which is a real shame because when you watch the YouTube highlight reels, which I think should always be taken with a pinch of salt, he he looked great, didn't he? And, you know, and he got that fantastic mm. goal against Manchester City, I think it was last season in the Champions League. And we just haven't seen that Elianusi at all. I mean, he, he's becoming a real enigma, I think. Yeah, I think he's a bit of a, I suppose you could say a fable, comes, comes with this reputation... Um, you know, scouted 30 times, got all this potential playing, you know, I suppose his, 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 his way up the leagues is a bit ad- admiral, you know, coming up through the lower leagues in the Swiss divisions, uh, coming over from, was he, Norway, and he, he actually played under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, so perhaps he could even be the, I suppose, your kryptonite when we, <laughs> we travelled to Old Trafford. Well, um, was, he was a young player playing under Solskjaer at Mulder. Yeah. In the early stage of his career, so he could tell us a little bit uh, that maybe the manager can't quite see or, or research on the video clips. Yeah, well, you know, there, there we go. So you heard it here first, Elianusi to do something against Manchester United. <laughs> um, Freddie, I, the other thing which is quite odd, I suppose, that we have coming up, you know, we've got these three games coming up in a week. Um, we've got another couple of games after that, but then we've got a big stretch without a game. Um, and this is due to uh, Watford going through in the FA Cup. We're going to end up with a three-week mid-season, well, almost towards the end of the season break, aren't we? Yeah, I suppose you know the, the week that these just they've just spent in Tenerife. You could say it's it's uh, it's uh, Ralph's. Okay, I suppose your pre-season training really throwing them through the paces. And, and those those three weeks, who knows where they're going to go this time? They're going to go to the Isle of Wight, maybe somewhere a little bit more glamorous than Tenerife. Who knows? But. Uh, <laughs> Certainly be a bit cheaper, just jump on the red jet, that'd be fun. Um, if there's anybody maybe in the know, let us know. Maybe a few of us can go for a jolly boys out and over to the island with the boys, you know. But uh, uh, I think he should use those three weeks to really do as much as we possibly can, you know, to the best of his ability, if you like. And uh, there's going to be, I think they might run out of reel or run out of uh, video tape or, you know, to, to really give the boys their homework over those three weeks because they'll have a lot to do. And three weeks is a long time in football and we could find ourselves playing catch-up, uh, you know, uh, I suppose towards the tail end of the season if we don't put points on the board before then. Yeah, it could be quite a tricky tricky position, I suppose, if um, you know other teams around us pick up points during that time, which they all seem to quite like doing. Um, I suppose, again, that really puts the impetus on us to make sure that we make the most of the next few games that we've got coming up. Um, So, Freddie, I mean, is there anything else you want to bring to the table in this episode? Um, Well, what I would say, uh, Fulham is a... I know Ben doesn't like to use it on the other podcast, but or, sorry, Adam doesn't like to use it on the other podcast, but Fulham is must-win. I'll I'll be, you know, happy with a point at Arsenal... 
Uh, maybe it's fantasizing a little bit to take a point from Manchester United, but I think four points from those three games is a, is a realistic target. And who we got on the 9th of March is Tottenham as well. So really, three of those, three of those four fixtures, we're up against it. We'll be the underdogs. Um, I'll be interested to find out. Maybe uh, a question to do to the listeners. Uh, if you get in contact uh, with John on the on the email, what's the email, John? It's uh, saintsfcpodcast at gmail dot com. <laughs> Um, how many points do you, do you guys think uh, Saints have finished? And I done a little quiz, you know, sort of like a Premier League predictor. I predicted Saints to stay up. Yeah, that's good with news. Thirty-seven points. Ooh, that's close, though, isn't it? That's tight. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to find out the opinion of uh, of the of the uh, listeners. What do you think, John? How many points do you think will uh, predict to stay up? Well, I, I mean, I haven't looked at all the fixtures and totted it all up, so it would be a bit of a stab in the dark, but. Um... I think over the last time I really looked at the fixtures and thought about it, I thought it would be about the 36 uh, point mark. Um, but as as well, I I have a funny feeling that we might get a little bit more out of the next four games than we'd expect. Because one thing that was very clear against the game against Cardiff is we do not like playing against teams that put 11 men behind the ball. So you never know, with a bit of a rub of the green going our way, um, you know, with teams that have their focus on the Champions League and other things, you know, may, maybe there is a chance that actually we can we can get a a big scalp from you know Man United, Tottenham, and, and Arsenal. Who who knows? Um, I, I think it, it would be interesting to see how far we've progressed under Ralph Hasenhutl. And I think the next few games are, you know, they're going to tell us whether all of that that work in Tenerife was worthwhile but it's it's very very difficult to predict I think that's why we keep on showing up to football games why we keep on supporting <laughs> teams because there is that just complete level of you know there's certain things which are predictable Men City will spend millions and millions of pounds they'll do really really well and they'll have a great season but on the day you never know what's going to happen I doubt you doubt any Newport County um players would have ever thought that they would get a chance to score against Manchester City this season. But, you know, things happen in football. Well, I was gutted from that game, actually, because I had Sonny and to score first and Man City to win 4-0. So close. <laughs> um, and Surely you actually, weren't cursing you know... Newport to, to score a goal <laughs> against Man City. Oh, yes. Well, it was good fun, though, wasn't it? Yeah. It was a novelty. But, uh, yeah, I think it isn't It isn't beyond the realms of fantasy to say that we can get a point um, at Arsenal when who knows we can get a point at Old Trafford. Believe in the faith, believe in the system. Let's not go into meltdown mode just yet. Um, I suppose if we do lose to Fulham, we'll be under a bit of a, a shroud, you know, a cloud of darkness with uh, a couple of really tough uh, games coming up. But uh, it's not over until they say, you know, the fat lady sings. Yeah. Um- Freddie, talking about singing, you mentioned the Stuart Armstrong uh, song earlier in this podcast. Um, how, how are you feeling? Do you fancy, uh, you know, singing us out with that one? Uh, how does it go? So, uh, uh, what was it? We sing a song for Stuart Armstrong. Uh, he scores belters. All that. I've got the I've got the words wrong already. I'm gonna have to do a quick bit of research. <laughs> but it's something along those lines. It's right. like Stuart Armstrong. His hair is fine. He scores belters all the time. We'll sing this song for Stuart Armstrong. Oh, there we go. I mean, that's 
bit of bit more work and you know maybe next time we have you on freddie you'll you'll be able to sing that you know pitch perfect and we can get everyone everyone behind that song thank you very much for joining us freddie um really really appreciate it uh you, you coming on to the saints sc podcast this week um obviously if you want to hear more from freddie uh he's got his podcast the big match special big match preview have i got that yeah, so, you know, double busy next week uh, with our Arsenal preview out on, it should be Friday. I should be able to speak to uh, Robbie from AFTV. I'll be speaking to Luke Osman from the Reach Southampton Network. And then I will be speaking to our friend Matt for the uh, for the Fulham preview, as long as, as well as speaking to uh, the Fulhamish podcast. So a lot of people to speak to in a short amount of time and get these uh, these previews out. So I hope people can ingest yeah, and, the way to And of course, these. there's always the uh, Ugly Inside website and the YouTube channel as well. Um, thank you very much, listeners, for sticking with us. It's saintsfcpodcast.gmail.com if you'd like us to discuss your thoughts on the next episode. We're also on Twitter at saintsfcpodcast. And of course, you can always leave a comment in the YouTube videos as well. And uh, we do occasionally have a little read of those as well. Um, so I've been John. Thank you very much. And over to you, Freddie. Uh, do you know what I'll do, John? I'll send you that clip so maybe you can rip it off the internet and drop in the MP3 from the, uh, the Southwick fans singing the Stuart Armstrong song. Hopefully we can get it going. Um, yeah, really good, good to speak to you as always, John, mate. All right. Cheerio. Cheerio.